Good afternoon, good evening and hello. It's been a sad week in politics. There's been a lot of change, a lot of sadness, a lot of heartache. And one of our saddest moments was the firing of Suella Braverman. I can only say this has come as a huge blow. I know many of you will be sad. How are you feeling? <laughs> She's gone. Thank fuck for that. I thought she'd never go. Hand a ding dong, the witch is dead. Oh, witch, the wicked witch. <laughs> I thought she'd never go. What a thought. terrible, terrible human being. Yes, but what an awesome week for us. Oh, my now, Welcome to a mini-sode of um, the Paracetamol Headache podcast. It's just been such a batshit crazy week in the news. We couldn't not do anything. We thought we'd get involved. I, I'm I, I, like my head spinning from the from the from the the week that was, um, <laughs> and what a week it was! It was. It's a brick. Our itinerary this week looks so spectacular. And do you know what? For once, it's not all blue. It's not all blue. It's not all blue. The, the red team have, have taken a little bit of a battering this week as well. Not all blue, Andy. It's not all blue. It's not so blue. Some of it's red. We could possibly say we're having a bit of a purple week. Oh, yes. It's a purple week. Let's do this properly. Hit the theme tune. Yeah, <laughs> so Suella Braverman, gone. Teresa Coffey, probably eating a dead pig over a fire. I mean, let's whilst... face it, Teresa Coffey's doing exactly what she was doing before, which is absolutely fucking Absolutely nothing. Just sat there looking absolutely vile, like looking... someone has rubbed shit under her nose. Just looking smug at the universe. I don't think you're yeah. looking smug at Teresa. You're useless. You've that or, that or she's eaten, eaten a baby and she's got gas. I'm not sure if it's smugness or gas. Well, she how many how many positions in the cabinet has she held now? Oh, I don't want to think about how many positions Teresa Coffey has been in in the cabinet. <laughs> let's be let, let's be honest. It's the only way she got anywhere. Fucking oh, hell! Oh she, my word! She, she's a good Christian woman. She did both positions. Um, Oh, yeah. So Suella basically has shit all over the Tory party this week and lit a bin fire again, just as the last one was starting to go out a little bit. She's uh, just... <clears throat> Let's just take a breath for a second, Phil. Let's just gather our thoughts. Let's oh. just centre ourselves and take this moment of reflection on what has been a week in politics. Oh. Oh. We... we, we... We, me and you, me and you, collectively, we, we came to a consensus that we were going to start veering a little bit away from the politics. But they've made it so easy to be political. <laughs> in, the, in the words of Al Pacino, I thought I was out and they put me back in. 
Honestly, they need to stop now. It's not good for my health. I can't, yes. I can't, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Should we do some bongs? Uh, it's the only way we're going to get through this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'll do, I'll do the bongs. You do the reading. <laughs> I've been freebasing since Thursday. Everything is good. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Biddly, biddly, bodily bong. Oh, Sula! Sticking on the Tory leadership. Motherfucking bong. Why Rwanda is no longer the place to be. Le bong. That's French for bong. The return of the pig fucker himself. David Cameron. Alleged. It, it was, he didn't fuck it. He just opened a, a dead pig's mouth and gently slid his flaccid penis inside it. Oh, he, he, he limped Pepper. <laughs> he had to throw in a rope to Pepper Pig. I'm a softy. Um, anyway, bong, that's German. Well, James Cleverly seems to be the only half-decent frontbench Tory. Isn't he? Strangely. I have to admit, yeah, strangely, I, I'm all right with him. I'm actually, um, I'm actually finding myself liking Tories uh, in very obscure, really strange ways. And I, I don't, I do not understand what's happening with the world. As long as it's not Theresa Coffey in a variety of positions. Um, <laughs> bong, but in Latin. The Labour Revolution. And if you didn't hear there, there was an implied finger quotes. There was. And the finally, bom, 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 bong. I'm going to have a little bong. conversation with you about where streeting. What language was that in? Uh, that was urban. Urban. Rewind, check your bad self. <laughs> where streeting? Um, I have found myself this week um, in a little bit of a love affair with him. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, I will. I will. I will explain. But without further ado, let's get straight down to the uh, to the the top of the stories, the 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 tip top of the stories, the the spear point of the week that was Suella Braverman. Yeah, Suella Deville has gone. Our erstwhile former Home Secretary, twice removed. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget she was she 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 did go once. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that she was, you know, as in she was the Home Secretary before the Home Secretary before the Home Secretary. I'm talking she was the Home Secretary before the Home Secretary, but she has been twice removed from her position yeah. as Home Secretary. And quite frankly, uh, she shouldn't be let near another political position ever again. I don't think she will be. Unless... See, that woman, That woman's poisonous. Unless David Cameron noshes another pig off. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, her, her resignation letter was something to behold, wasn't it? Uh, it, would, it, was, it, it was basically written in shit. I don't think there's any toys left in her pram now. I don't think the pram is existing anymore. She, she got out the pram to throw the pram at herself. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was weird. Um... And but to bring well, we'll get on to him. But the uh, the Pepper Pig lover, um, back into office. But Suella Braverman. I mean, so she wrote a slightly contentious article, just a smidge, 
Um, For international listeners, Suella Braverman is a lady was. of colour who has been Home Secretary twice under two different premiers. Um, <laughs> in the um, last three years, I might add. Yes, yeah, she was Home Secretary twice in three years under Pre- uh, Prime Minister Liz Truss and also Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. She was sacked by Liz Truss for um, breaking the ministerial code. Um, yeah. When Liz Truss then resigned as Prime Minister after what was 15 minutes of being Prime Minister, Rishi yeah. Sunak was unelected um, by the British people. That is to say, he was not given a mandate because there was no election. He was voted in by his own party's members. Yep. The next Prime Minister after Liz Truss. And then he immediately um, set about putting Suella Braverman back into the role of Home Secretary that she had just been sacked from because she had broken ministerial code. Yeah. Um, this caused a lot of people to be very upset, in the words of Douglas Adams. And, and has continued to. And has continued to, because she's quite a contentious, nasty piece of work. I could have used a C word then. I stepped away from it quite quite deliberately. However, yeah, let's, let, let's not use it, but, but have that in mind for most of this evening, <laughs> dear if, listeners. If you're imagining Suella Braverman, imagine E.T. in a black wig, but elevated levels of the C word we will not use. Yeah, yeah. She was a pretty... Pretty vile woman, you know. Homeless people is a lifestyle of homelessness. Um, trying to pass laws to make it illegal for charities to give tents to homeless people. I don't know. Did you watch the videos in Camden, Andy? What what ones? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, the council workers stripping the homeless tents. Oh God! Sending the vans around putting them in the pin lorries with people's possessions in these people have very little anyway but they were then swept up in the tents that they were not allowed to go back in once they were taken out and get their things out this is this is a woman who was complaining that the immigrants are coming over here on small boats and they're stealing the rights of hard-working british people and they're pushing hard-working british people out onto the streets so they can take up their houses and their jobs and their benefits and their money but then she turns on the hardworking British people who have found themselves dejected, destitute, and living on the streets, strips them of their tents, and then makes it illegal for anyone to give them tents. Whilst two months, two months before, like in winter, let's let you know our, uh, our, our foreign listeners. And where did we discover a new listener today? Tanzania, Tanzania of all of all places, obviously um, not Rwanda. Weirdly. Um, you know, it's it's very cold here in the winter, potentially. Um, I don't know where you're listening, but it might be warm in your country in, in winter. It's not here. So to strip people of a little bit of warmth and comfort that they could actually have whilst they found themselves homeless was well, verging on the ghoulish. But no reason whatsoever. There was, there was no, no, no reason. Either. She just turned around and said, you know what? Do you know who else can get fucked? Homeless people can get fucked. Fucking... Fucking homeless people living on the streets. That is a lifestyle choice. Yeah, they choose. They choose. And whilst I do admit there will be a very, very small percentage of people that have made a choice to live there because of their situation at home or for whatever reason, no one, no one pretty much chooses to be homeless. It's not a thing. Sorry, Suella. I just, I'm just, I'm baffled. I'm baffled by her. Logic. Why? She's a Tory. Why are we baffled by anything they do now? But 
just with her in particular though it was like she was just throwing things at a dartboard like she had written a bunch of abjectly awful ideas at a dartboard and then who shall i hate today oh the homeless people like triple triple nine oh that's right homeless people do you know what fuck the homeless people fucking lifestyle choice i don't understand why you didn't choose the the beach uh, in a in a nine million dollar mansion, which you could have done if you just put a little bit of work into it, you you absolute shirkers. <laughs> taking or coming over here and taking. If you are losing your job to someone who's literally just coming to this country from a war torn country, and on their first day here, they're taking your job. How shit were you at your job in the first place? Anyway, you probably deserve to lose it. Given the opportunity to have a lifestyle choice of. Being homeless and living on the street with literally nothing, or being an abjectly ghoulish, monstrous Tory who thinks that everybody is out to get everybody else. I, I yeah. think you're gonna take the, the streets because yeah, I'd rather be a humble person with nothing than be a monstrous person with everything. Yeah. Complaining that I've got nothing. Yeah. So uh yeah, so she's gone. She's still an MP at this time. Um I don't can we, can I don't we... I, I don't see a career in politics in her future, I'll be honest. Probably the, GB News. The issue I have that makes me think that she's going to be back in some capacity or another is that she wasn't actually sacked. She wasn't fired from her role. She was was a a reshuffle. Yeah, she was reshuffled out of cabinet, which is, any way you cut it, a fucking let off. Yeah. She was was simply shuffled out of the deck that currently runs the country. She wasn't reprimanded. She wasn't suspended. She she was removed. She was removed from her role in a scheduled reshuffle. Yeah. And... Me and you basically wore our thumbs and fingers down to an absolute stub, texting each other back and forth when we were playing Guess What the Next Cabinet's going to be. And I'm absolutely shocked. Yeah. Yeah. David Cameron, the former Premier of the UK, the um, architect (laughs) of uh, austerity, the um, person who called the referendum for um, leaving the european union um the etonian asshole <laughs> who thought that he was way better than he actually was yeah he was some sort of gilded lily second coming of christ figure that was going to mm. lead the new era of tory politics but ended up just absolutely butt-fucking everything into oblivion. Much like that pig. Oh. He's now our foreign secretary. But but because he's not a serving MP, he can't actually be in the House of Commons. So what did they do, Andy? What did they do? Huh? 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 The king elevated him to the role of baron. Yes. And he was immediately made a life peer and elevated to the House of Lords, so he, where he where he can there's no oversight. No, <laughs> he's going to be serving as our Foreign Secretary from the House of Lords, 
which means he is not subject to the same oversight that any of the other members of parliament are subject to um, as serving members of the cabinet. He works yeah. on a completely different level, um, a completely different um, peer review, as it were. And yeah. um, he is now to the country's top diplomat. So to just to just to put this in perspective, he was a prime minister. Uh, so he gets how much of how much a year for life now? Seventy thousand a year. Yep. So he's now a life peer. How much do they get a year? Wait, no, sorry. Serving prime ministers get seventy thousand pounds a year. It's one hundred and twenty thousand pounds a year. Twenty thousand pounds pension for life. For life. He's now a life peer. They get eighty five thousand pounds a year for life. He's also earning a salary as the foreign secretary, which is eighty five thousand pounds a Wait. year. Hold on. I didn't even think of any of this. So let me let, let's just do the math. <laughs> let's, do, let's do the math here. So so £120,000 a year pension. Yep. 85 for the House of Lords. So that's 205,000. And then and then and then he gets the 85 for being foreign secretary. So that's £290,000 a year now he's getting. What? Yep. On Serving top of, so, on top of the 2 million he got in advance yeah. for his book yeah are you, he's are getting you shit, are you shitting me no 200 i think if i if i'm right please correct me if i'm wrong people but with yeah it's 200 it'll be about 290 280 pound a year holy shit Two hundred and five thousand of that is for life now guaranteed doesn't have to do anything yeah just, 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 just let that marinate for a bit <laughs> the man's getting just under half a million pounds a year for uh ruining the country Unreal. yeah and in the Leave meantime it. in the meantime he's now our foreign secretary the first job of that role was to go over to the ukraine and visit um uh, vladimir Zelensky. yeah the previous foreign secretary was a pm uh mp called um james cleverly yeah in previous episodes of this very podcast, we have slagged that man off to a certain degree, only because he is a serving member of the Tory um, front bench. However, <laughs> however, when you stack him up against the rest of them, he, actually, he's he was a he was a fairly decent foreign secretary. Well, I mean, by all accounts, he was the best foreign secretary we've had in the last ten years. Yeah, he was thoughtful, sensible, and a decent foreign secretary. He was he was doing the job quietly without making a song and dance, and, and he was not chasing down headlines. He yeah. was just doing the job, and our, our standing as a country on the international stage, which as of late has been somewhat of a laughing patchy. stock. It's been patchy. Yeah, I mean we we've been a laughing stock for the last six years or so. Yeah, yeah. Since um, Brexit, let's be honest. James Cleverly has done a, a, a massive amount of groundwork to actually start repairing those relationships. And the, the, the consensus coming out of Europe was he was doing a really decent job um, yeah. of his brief. And, and the reason why he was so quietly getting on with it in the background was because he, he is not one to chase down a headline. However, because of his standing in the party and the fact that he is, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a thinker on his feet, he does often get thrust into the limelight by the prime minister and by the the, the home um, the press office yeah. because he, he he can battle 
verbally with yeah. interviewers and hold his own. He parries um, quite he parries quite well, but yeah. with respect with respect and a quite a lot of dignity, I'll be honest. I never thought we'd be talking about a Tory like this, Andrew. Ever. I'm, I'm recently, recently I've had a few moments where I've actually like had a chance to sit down and kind of observe Tories outside of the setting of of House of Commons. Yeah. Um, I did, I, you spoke in the last episode about the TV program Banged Up. Yeah. Um, um, there, there are two Tory MPs in there. Their names escape me, but um, uh, Johnny Mercer. Johnny Mercer was one. Um, okay. Sharing a cell with a contract killer. And okay. he was having like a, a proper full on conversation with the contract killer. And you could see the, 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 the mechanisms in his brain were working whilst this contract killer was talking to him about like how you get down the road of becoming a, a contract killer and how violence is a way of life for some people. Yeah. And you could see Johnny Mercer sitting in the corner, like, you know, not necessarily scared for his life, but certainly scared of the situation. Yeah. Um, but having like verbal parries and battles with this, um, this, this, you know, former prisoner who was in for, life you served like 28 years for like contract killing and and like you know very 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 intense violence yes um he struck up a friendship with this guy and in the end actually kind of started to have these ideas that you know we we have actually made a lot of mistakes as tories running the prison service and having been now in this position where i'm sitting in a cell with an inmate who has served 28 years to life for murder yeah i'm i'm starting to see how we are failing these individuals and how this is not the, the right course of action for um incarceration and um what's the word i'm looking for phil uh, well it's just it, their loss of liberty their punishment their, the punitive act the punishment of them uh, yeah maybe yeah. we've maybe we failed the the prison service and, and he, he's sitting there and he, you know johnny mercer is not a nice person by all, by all accounts we've we've slagged him off to the high heavens because he's done a lot of terrible terrible things including yep. you know, taking bungs and bribes yep he's, he's not a, he's, he is a questionable person the other the other mp was the um tractor um porn <laughs> the guy that got caught wanking over over porn yeah well, not sorry, we're not wanking, just watching because we all know, you know, quite often if, if you've had a hard day, you what you fancy, just get some popcorn, bag of minstrels, and just watch some porn. Yeah, he was very open about his um indiscretions, yeah, honest about it. And again, within two days, <laughs> started to have very specific ideas about how we've kind of failed this whole system and it needs to be overhauled from the ground up it's and, just I, I did watch that clip it's like what are you in for oh i wore my wife's head as a hat through three counties whilst i'd murdered her oh what are you in for i watched some uh i watched some boobs in the house of commons you might know <laughs> me i was the prime i was the um, member of parliament who watched porn on his phone in the house of commons <laughs> claiming i was watching tractors <laughs> You know, and but I I didn't have a lot of sympathy for them. But what I did have was moments where I was kind of watching it, going, "Oh, okay, so you yeah. do get it. You do understand. Yeah. You're not blind the, to it. You're not like there is a soul there. 
you know there is a slither of a kind of conscious there which is you know sparking into life and you 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 can see that you are getting it and you can see that you are having like a change in mindset about the whole situation um and that's that you know that's interesting and then with james cleverly coming along he he's he's um he was contorting in the wind to a certain degree when he was battling with um Kay Burley on Sky News earlier this week. Yeah. However, I don't necessarily feel that Kay Burley was giving him a fair push. No. I f- I felt very much like he was being made to answer for the sins of um the the party and the members who were that week, you know, done the the, the colossal fuck ups, i.e. Suella and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I feel very, very, very badly for him to have been pulled out of his brief in the Foreign Office to be thrust into the role of uh, Home Secretary, vacated by Suella Braverman. And he's now basically having to contort his own beliefs again around the party line. And it must yeah. be hellish. It- it must have it must it must hurt um because he you know he he stood against some of these policies well he, he called the rwanda policy batshit bat crazy, crazy. <laughs> and then didn't yeah. deny it when he was asked on tv whether he did it he refused to deny it so I, the guy's principled i have a, i have a, a a reasonable respect for him but now he's being forced by rishi sunak to basically not so much lie, but to change his um, public uh, response to the situation and obviously toe the party line. Yeah, this he's he's, to- he's towing the party line, isn't he? This this is the thing with Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak has demonstrated um, again and again and again and again and again and again and again that he has absolutely no political nuance whatsoever. No. And more so, he has no principles. No. He is is a prime minister who has been elected by his own party. He should never in a million years have ever been given that job. He He should never have been within 20 feet of that job. When he was made Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, he stabbed, uh, uh, Javid? Javid, Javid, yeah. In the back, yeah. So his mentor stabbed him in the back so he could steal his job. Yeah, uh, no arguable about it. No, allegedly, it was basically what happened. Well, that that is, yeah, it's a thing. He then fucked Boris Johnson over. Yeah. He fucked this this truss over. Yeah. And now he's systematically fucking the country over. And and destroying the reputation of the the semi decent members of his front bench. Yeah, yeah. He's fucked Suella Braverman over. If you read her letter. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if you look at his stance on Rwanda. That tells you everything he needs to know about who he is. Ugh, the Rwanda situation is an absolute. Well, well, if it's if it's illegal, we can change that. <laughs> the Supreme but... Court of the United Kingdom ruled this week that Rwanda is not a safe country. Therefore, the Rwanda project is not legal or lawful because you cannot send immigrants who are looking to escape their country with asylum to another country, which is 
as dangerous or more dangerous than the con- the country that they have come from. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, yeah. Well, the, the, this this desire to remove the the ECHR and um, well, it, it, he's basically Emperor Palpatine. Grant me, grant me emergency powers. I shall give them back afterwards. Good, good. Remove the Bill of Human Rights and the was it the European ACHR, the European Convention of Human Rights, which which can I just say it was a Tory policy that was Winston Churchill that yeah. brokered that. Post-war. You know this post war. This was. You know, so we make all these arguments about Armistice Day and and everything. The Tories are shitting on one of their own policies, which came about post-war to ensure that never again should this happen. And what are they doing? They're just shitting all over it and wiping their ass with it. And they're okay with it. If you're going to remove the Convention for Human Rights and the Human Rights Act from your Bill of Rights... Um, to then pass through what is abjectly ghoulish policy, yeah. which is going to be detrimental to the mental and physical safety of um, people who have escaped horrendous and horrific situations. Yeah. Just try and have a better chance at life in a country that they feel will treat them right. For that country to then spit in their face and kick sand in their eyes and tell them to fuck off and send yeah. them to Rwanda, a country which is abjectly the wrong it's place. Not, it, it, it's not known for its human rights record, is it? Let's be honest. It, the, it, my mind is blown. It's it's baffling. It's absolutely and utterly baffling. Yeah, it's horrendous. It's It's such a stupidly badly thought out plan. Let's just get them away from us. That that's the plan. Get them away from us. Ugh, we don't want them here. Meanwhile, David Cameron, who <laughs> some would say is the uh, grandfather of um, the current Tory Party, yeah, uh, man who, alongside George fucking Osborne, mm. drove the country into the White Cliffs of Dover, basically bankrupt most of the country, and then sat back in counted his coffers with the money that he made off the back of the the sadness and, and pain that he caused on the rest of us with yeah. austerity as well as being the architect of Brexit because had it not been for David Cameron and his ridiculous policies um, and manifesto we would never have had the, um, the, the Brexit referendum once it went against him for him to do, 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 do off into the sunset yeah. and wash his hands of the fucking car crash that he had just caused. Shit a brick, he shit a brick, basically. And he's now he's now the foreign secretary for what would easily have been one of his junior um office ministers from you know road traffic policy uh in Rishi Sunak, had he has still been in power today and actually dealt with the mess that he created with Brexit. Yeah. Now working for... It, it's it's like being employed by your 21-year-old son. Yeah. You've been the CEO of the country, of a, of a company, for, you know, 
35 to 40 years. You run the company, you know, in, in a fantastic way, a massive fashion. You've made money hand over fist. It's been, you know, gangbusters. And then yeah. you decide you're going to retire and, you know, just just go part time. And you're 20 yeah, let, 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 let the sun take over now. It's time. It's time. It's the right time. He's earned it. He proves to be a fucking moron. <laughs> so the dad has to come out of retirement. To then <laughs> just, you know, right the ship and try and show a little bit of professionality. £290,000 a year, though. What next? You're gonna you're gonna bring Theresa May out of retirement and the back benches and throw her into like environments. No, I, I, I hear they're reanimating the corpse of uh, Maggie Thatcher and making a milk monitor. I I despair, mate. I absolutely despair. Meanwhile, uh, over on the fucking opposition benches, a small yet significant revolution is happening. I let's let's be let's be brass tacks about situation it is no way shape or form a revolution no it's not it's but it's not good is it labor labor's labor's um standing as an opposition power has not been massively affected by anything that's happened this week the only thing that has been affected is the um mirage of sir kirstama being strong stable leadership because let's be honest it's not looking good i think the problem is when you get a competent person and keir starmer is you know objectively a competent human yeah. being yeah yeah his track record in the in the department of prosecution is pretty good i i would say stellar yeah yeah, yeah, I was I was being modest on his behalf, well, but I yes, knew, but you know we can't be modest in a situation like this. We've got to be completely honest. And that Starmer fellow, he is a star. He, he is, yes, yes. When it came to the prosecution service, um, and he, you know, he's I think he's pretty much beyond reproach. They've tried to bring him down. They've tried to take pot shots at him. They've tried to have a go at his policies and his leadership when he was running the prosecution service, but it it it. It, it hasn't landed. None of it's landed. No, no. Because and they, they can't keep using the Jeremy Corbyn no. thing either because it's just not sticking. But, and, and I think in a, in, a, in a major way, what he did on the front bench under Corbyn is very much what he is now doing as a leader of the party yeah. with yeah. his own front bench. He is yeah. making an example. He followed the example that was being set by his... his um, party leader uh under corbyn he may not have agreed with everything he said and even when he was on the front benches he said you know i do not agree with a lot of what jeremy has to say but i have got a job in the shadow yeah uh, cabinet um i and, and his, his brexit policy you know was 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 widely lauded as being you know the way to go um yeah. but was ignored at every jun uh, junction by the the tory party um, and he was he was a rising star in the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, when he rose to being the the Labour leader, he is now trying to lead with example, and he's also trying to force through a very transparent policy uh, amongst his front benches, and that is 
if you were in the party and you were on the front bench and you are going to be part of my shadow cabinet, we need to lead by example and be transparent in everything that we do. Therefore, if you go against the party whip, I'm going to have no choice but to ask you to either resign or I'm going to fire you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's proven this week that he is a man of his word. Yep. He's also trying to walk a very fine line of not being um, in any way, shape or form, a mouthpiece uh, echoing Tory policies. He's got his own idea of how immigration should be handled, how conflict should be handled. And though he may have misspoken um, very badly on the whole Gaza situation, I think yeah, it's very poor, very poorly thought out, very poorly thought out there. I, I, I think th- there was a feeling in my mind that he is very much trying to do the right thing, and I, I believe so. Yeah, but the problem comes that when somebody on your front benches has to course correct for you and then say what you mean rather than you be understandable with what you mean when you say it, that's where the problems start arising. And have been. Yeah. I, I just think Starmer's issue is he he so desperately wants to lead Labour to uh, a general election win. Yeah. Not necessarily so that he becomes prime minister. That's not his, his modus operandi. I don't think that's what's driving him. I think what's driving him is we need to change the government. Labour needs to come in. We need a fresh view on the situation. But it's not It's not how he's being painted as being, oh, he just wants to be prime minister. I don't yeah. think that's what it is. I think he wants Labour to be the government. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a grab for power. I think it's genuinely he wants to affect change as a party. But but it's very difficult to change the public perception of being one thing when you're trying to do the other. And he doesn't verbalise it very well. No. And in situations where he's been put on the spot and, and asked to explain himself, he, he does meander off the point quite drastically because he's trying so desperately to be diplomatic and not sound like he's trying to make a, a grab for power as the yeah. prime minister yeah. it, it's a fu- it's a fucked up situation and i do feel for the man as i would anyone else put in that position but he has put himself into a very deep corner yes 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 he really has and and is there a way out of it now hey phil what's that we'll come back after this oh. message <laughs> Hi there, we'd really like to hear from you. And as such, we've been idiots and set up a WhatsApp account for you to listen to. If you'd like to get in touch, leave us a message, or even just speak to us and say hi if you love us, the number is 07990863564 on WhatsApp. Message us. And, uh, get back to us that number is 07990863564 we definitely promise you it's not a sex line and there you go yes there we go oh a little pause a little break a little a little uh, moment to repose and regroup it does the soul good 
as we're seeing, <laughs> <laughs> there's, 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 there's an issue. If you have got to be translated by a member of your um, cabinet, be it shadow or be it like the main cabinet front bench um, government. There is something wrong. Keir Starmer's communication style is it's always been it's always been under a lot of scrutiny and i think yes. under that amount of scrutiny you you certainly do see that it is not a failing of his but it's definitely a issue that he needs to work on not a strong not a strong point i think i think it comes from a, a career of arguing yes he's used to parrying with people and yeah no. Usually, usually you're you're parrying and you're on the defensive and then you've got to like thrust and when you're when you're just trying to communicate your style across to somebody clear and concisely and then you've got you know the opposition or you know the government in this case or or, or journalists of the caliber of like Kay Burley and Beth Rigby and you know so on and so forth yeah asking you questions which you know, for all intents and purposes, are are trying to break down your argument and your your stance and catch you out a little bit. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think I think he's still kind of got that prosecutor's mindset where he he he's he's trying to fight three or four steps ahead of himself, and it doesn't work. No, because you should just concentrate on the here and now. And I think sometimes. The, the the point he's trying to get across does get lost in translation. And when it's something like Gaza and ceasefire, where there is such a, a, a massively vocal um, component of the public screaming in your face, saying, you've got this wrong, we need to yeah. ceasefire now, yeah. you need to be very clear on how you are actually voicing your opinion on the situation. And I think he's failed in that this week. Yes, it's it. Yeah, it's 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 not been the best of weeks for him. Let's be honest. I very much think his intention was clear and honourable, but I think the execution of how he's trying to put his argument across has just been so so wild of the mark. Yeah, yeah. So thank uh, God for someone like West Streeting. You love West Streeting, don't you? You're I, a fan. Like you're a fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, but I'm also a fan of someone like Jeff Phillips. And I do feel very conflicted in my views this week because it's incredibly sad to see someone like Jess Phillips go because yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. She's liquid yeah. conviction. She, she says exactly what she means, how she means it. And she'll just deal with the consequences of what she said afterwards. And, you know, she, she's done that really, really well during the whole of her career. Yes. And not shied away from it, just stuck with it, unrelenting. She's just a barrier, a human barrier. She's a bolshy little brummy. Yeah, she's brilliant. Love her. And and her her work in advocacy for domestic violence victims and and um the work she's done for for you know women during lockdown who potentially were going to be victims of DA and yeah yeah it's, it's sterling and to see her lost from the front bench i think is if it's allowed to stand going to be a very very big loss for the labor party i i agree 
she but, she was such a vocal component of everything but but i i also think under Keir Starmer, he has shown a great deal of leadership when it comes to not backtracking on decisions, but also like being fluid and understanding that sometimes the rules you set need to be bent and need to be reset to allow people back in who have yeah. those kind of abilities to 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 say things, you know, bluntly. Yeah. So and honestly, yeah. I'm hoping if Labour do come into power that there is going to be a position for her on the cabinet because she's she's such a great person. There really needs to be. Yeah, I, I agree. She's she's one of the she's one of the outspoken ones that um they can't afford to not have. Phil, really. just 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 explain to the peeps uh listening what, what actually happened for Jess Phillips to leave. And then I will uh segue that into my uh adoration for West Streeting because I think he's done great work in repairing some of the damage this week which Karma <laughs> Starmer is yeah you know, inadvertently caused. So um Jess Phillips, as we all know, she's quite well where 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 I come from she would be considered gobby. Uh would that be yeah that would be fair to say. I think so. Um yeah and She's quite high profile. She's quite outgoing. She can be quite combative, um, but also she's a she's she really does play the media well. She's quite she's been very front and center. So in this boat, um, what happened? She went against the party line. Would that be correct? Yes, yeah, Starmer Starmer set a. Um, a party line. This was this is what we're expectation is, and she she went with her opinion <laughs> as Stammer, as is her want. Stammer asked the um the the entire Labour Party to abstain from the vote on the ceasefire because and she did, she he, did not. <laughs> he's pushing for humanitarian pause, which in and of itself is a fucking terrible term of phrase. Yes. yes, and I, under I understand why so many people are angry with with the with the phrase. But some people are getting mixed up in well, not mixed up. Some people are lost in the weeds a little bit and are almost blaming Starmer for the creation of this this phrase. But it's a phrase which has been used across the entirety of the international uh, community. Yes. And so she she did she she did she did not do what was expected of her toe the party line yes unfortunately for us because i think we've lost a good one there but she had to go well not just her though like 56 other labor yeah. um yeah. ministers uh you know just there were there was yeah there was what was there in total the vote there was um One hundred and twenty-five wasn't there in total voted for the ceasefire. Yeah, the the, the um, SNP um, forwarded motion to uh, push for a, a yeah a, a nationally recognised ceasefire um, yeah stance and and, uh, and of those one hundred and twenty-five, fifty-six of them were Labour, including our good friend Jess Phillips. 
And Kiesberg uh, said very clearly, if you're on the front bench and you go against the party line, then you're going to be removed from your front bench role. Yes, and she was. Well, she 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 very. Um, she resigned. She resigned. Yeah, she she resigned with a very you know clear um, statement um, to Keir Starmer and to the Labour Party members, and it was it was exactly what you would expect from somebody who is standing up for their principles. The exact opposite, in fact, of what Suella Bravman did in her letter. Yes. She didn't throw Keir Starmer under the bus. She did make a point of saying that she did not agree with his stance, but she understood his stance. Yes. But she could not, in good conscience, uh, follow it because of the duty she's got to her own constituents who have been very vocal in the fact they do not support um the war and they 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 want a ceasefire yeah completely uh it was um so she she went with her constituency and she she knew full well what was going to happen if she did but she did it all the same huge amount of respect for the woman now here's 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 where i kind of got a little bit i i was i I felt like i was stuck between a rock and a hard place because my my thoughts on the whole situation in gaza are it is absolute horror um yes the 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 actions of hamas to um start they started the current conflict in the status that it is yes you could argue until you're blue in the face that israel have been antagonistic and have been um the aggressors in a lot of ways including you know the death of civilians the death of of um journalists who are working to to cover um the whole situation within like you know the the apartheid state of of palestine and israel um the 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 troubles are very similar to what happened with northern ireland in, in 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 a lot of ways and i i i fully understand that israel are not as they are made out to be, a squeaky clean country whose hands are clean. No. They are no. they are very much the aggressors in a lot of ways. And I think my thoughts on the whole Zionist state apparatus has always been that Israel is Israel is a a young country who was born of bloodshed and tragedy yeah who has thousands and thousands of years of history but i mean how how old is it now 56 years old Six, uh, six, almost 60 years yeah it's coming up for six, yeah it's 50 56 57 yeah so it's 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 in its infancy and it is also trying to establish and focus itself. It's a powerhouse state as well, um, a country where, with with its with its combined history of of tragedy and 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 horror, and from how it was born, it's trying to establish itself as a modern country. Yeah, but it's. It's beset on all sides by enemies and by aggressors who who don't want it to be there. Yeah. It's created and plonk slap bang in the center of a part of the world where 
yes, it may have a historical claim, but to have just been dumped on these stolen lands, um, it was always going to be immediately up against it. Yeah. And Palestine are now very much in the same position as what the um, Second World War era Jews were in, in as much as they do not have a home state because it's they're, been taken away from them. They're a displaced nation. Yeah, it's it's the same with the Kurdish people. It's it's they they are treated the same, and it's horrendous. So so for Hamas to start this new conflict by surprise attacking, you know, three thousand rockets overnight, and then to send in their um their their fighters into kibbutzes to then just like wholesale slaughter innocent civilians there's there's no way on earth you can you can ever begin to uh defend those kind of actions no but i i draw a line there and state hamas is not palestine exactly the same way that the israeli government is not all jewish people mm. And the way that it's been conflated that all Jews are Israelis and all Palestinians are Hamas, yeah, is disgusting. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. It's reductionist and it's horrendous. But but I I do agree that a ceasefire is not a plausible way for this conflict to end. And a ceasefire right now on paper does work and should be something which they force through. But in execution, a ceasefire just gives Hamas the opportunity to regroup. Yeah. And then attack again. Yeah, completely. And though the Israeli response has been disproportionate beyond word brutal there there is no other word it's inhumane and brutal and there's no way on earth that i can ever begin to even contemplate um thinking that it's the right course of action it is understandable why a wounded animal will lash out against the thing that wounded it yeah and hamas have wounded israel and israel's pride is hurt as well as having lost, you know, thousands of of, of innocent civilians and innocent Israelis, um, it, it's it's it's, it's you, horrendous. You look at it from a kind of aerial point of view and look down on the situation. It's so complicated and so complex and so fucked that the only way you can really begin to contemplate and understand what's happening. Is is to is to really be in the situation, in the yeah. heart of it all, and as casual observers and armchair analysts, I think it's impossible for us to actually really kind of understand it. Yeah, I, I think we, I, we can't we can't get our head around it. We can't we can't begin to understand it. And that's why we I can't. think it's so difficult to articulate what you're actually trying to say when you're when you're arguing against a ceasefire, as Keir Starmer has done. The, the the humanitarian pauses they don't make a lot of sense. The, the analogy I heard on the James O'Brien show was um, 
you have 12 rounds in a boxing match. Mm. And those 12 rounds aren't just one long fight. They are 12 rounds broken up by, you know, water breaks and uh, medic breaks. And um, you go back to your corner and your your team then kind of, you know, prep you and, and get you ready for the next round. And that is a humanitarian break there. Yeah. But then the bell rings and you immediately go back in and start lamping each other and knocking 12 bells of shit out of each other. Again, yeah. And that's what a humanitarian break is going to be. It's going to be, you know, a week or or 10 days or a month for the two sides to regroup and grab some water and a slice of orange and have their corner man fix their cuts and their bruises. And then the bell's going to ring and they're just going to go straight back into just absolutely destroying each other again. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where there's no, there's no clear. No, no I agree and, with you. The two sides are always going to be doing that to each other, but a humanitarian break allows for the people who are caught in the middle of the two things to be moved to a safer location and to be tended to and to be dealt with humanitarianly. Yeah. A ceasefire is weighted very much towards Palestine. Yeah. Or at least Hamas, because it's it's Palestine that's being bombarded at the moment and absolutely leveled. Israel aren't seeing fighters fighting within its its walls or its lands anymore because they've they've expelled all of the terrorists back to Gaza. So a ceasefire isn't going to be what everyone thinks it's going to be. It's going to be Palestine regrouping and getting ready to go go back in and do another attack. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's just, I'm not qualified to make these kind of fucking analytical um, observations. And I don't think you are either. And I don't think 99% of the people which are, screaming and shouting and marching on London and, you know, every capital in the world screaming for a ceasefire. They, they, they are. We, we have no position. We have no, we have no place in it. But I, I think, I think this is why so many people are getting caught out. You know, the Tories are, I, I don't think they care one way or the other. I think I think anything that will allow them to just be on the right side of you know the general consensus, i.e. internationally, um, yeah. is going to be a good thing for them. Where Labour are looking at it from a kind of you know a, a bigger picture kind of um, place, and I think Keir Starmer has just got caught in the weeds of being stuck between the rock, i.e. international policy, and the hard place, what the general public want him to do. Yeah, and people like Jess Phillips, who are so strong in their convictions that ceasefire is the right way to go, um, jumping on their own swords um, to support that conviction are admirable. But it takes calmer, cooler heads to then go. Well, hold on a minute. A ceasefire isn't the right thing to do right now because it's not going to be what everyone thinks it's going to be. It's effectively changing ends. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and it was only it was only one West West Streeting this week was on um Sheila Fogarty on um L C B L B C. Yeah, yeah. Um and he was talking about his colleagues in the Labour Party, the 56 who voted against the motion, and how sad he was that they did so, but how he admires the fact that they, you know, stood up for their convictions and their constituents. And his argument was that international policy being what it is, a ceasefire right now, all of the analysis states it's not going to be what everyone wants it to be because one side or the other is is going to end up fucking the other yeah. once the ceasefire is over and done with. Yeah. Where a humanitarian pause allows for the people to be put front and centre and them to be the um, focal point and them to be treated and dealt with. You're not dealing with the military. You're not dealing with the Hamas or, or the IDF. You are dealing with the people who were caught up in the middle of these two horrific, bloodthirsty organisations. Well, war machines, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah so a humanitarian pause allows for the people to be dealt with. A ceasefire deals with the forces, not the people. Yeah. No, it's Those... people. And we've said this before. It's people that have been lost in this it's not it's not the um it's not the it's not the conflict it's actually the people that are being missed in this that are just being mercilessly used as shields they need out they need looking after and treating properly and like you say a ceasefire won't achieve that a a ceasefire i think as far as i can see it a ceasefire is dealing with the forces it's dealing with the the two, the two countries and the two um, ideological leaders. It's, the- it's designed to try and get people around a table and talking. Yeah, where and neither part, neither party is going to do that. The the pause allows for those two people to just be told, "Look, chill your fucking boots." There are people dying who have got nothing to do with this, who are not Hamas, who are not IDF, who are not Israeli, who are not Jew. They're just people caught in a conflict which they have no control over. And they do not have any hand in the terror that has been imposed one way or the other. We need to fix corridors and routes for these people to get out of the middle of this. And then you can level the country all you fucking want. Yes, people are going to lose, you know, homes and personal belongings and, you know, their, their entire histories. But I'd rather people lose things than people lose people. Yeah. And, and this is what's happening. People are dying that have no place in this. They have no interest. They, they are just there. And they have no way of getting out of there. And they need to. They need to get out. West, so, West Street uh, this week has been, has been an absolute um, superhero in terms of explaining this situation in ways that people can understand it. And, like, he hasn't missed a beat at all. And it is just another highlight of of a of a man in um parliament an mp who i think is honestly one of the greatest min- uh, ministers we've got at the moment in time yeah um, i i've not seen an interview with him or a television appearance or a press release or anything that he's done where he's had to be like the face of the labor party um, or a face of the Labour Party, where he has not been 100% understandable 
100% empathetic, empathetic, 100% sympathetic, and also fully explaining his thoughts on the situation in a way that is completely understandable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I honestly think he's a superstar. He's, he's, he's really, really one to watch in not only the Labour Party, but just in Westminster in general. And I I think if you if you are of the opinion that a ceasefire is the way to go, I would implore you to go and listen to his appearance on Sheila Fogarty this week and just listen to his explanation and his thoughts on the matter, because I think it's one of the clearest ways it's been described and explained um yeah i mean you saw how much we got lost in the weeds just now trying to get our heads around how to explain it without without being flip-floppy one way or the other or without being disrespectful to the views of people who want ceasefire yeah so uh, i let's we'll try and drop the links and um people can go and listen i think would be a good idea yeah I mean, this week, mate, honestly, this week has been a fucking uh, oh, it's, roller coaster. It's, it's been, there's been a lot of highs, but there's been an awful lot of lows as well. And usually we have a lot of, you know, me and you have a lot of laughs and jokes about like politics in general. And we have a lot to say, which is, um, we find a funny way to approach it. But I think this week in general, it's very much highlighted the fact that we are living in very, very tumultuous times. Yeah, I, I think and dangerous times. We're, you know, we're we're heading in this country towards some kind of weird form of diet fascism. If we're not already there, we're we're on a precipice of falling into a very dark, dark period of time in this country, and we've been on the precipice since two thousand sixteen, since the referendum, and then everything that happened after that has just been a slow cataclysm of. Yeah fuckwits betraying fuckwits betraying fuckwits betraying fuckwits to the detriment of every single one of the um citizens of the uk yeah and i think we now stand on a kind of a a weird break where we could go one of two ways either further down the road towards fascism or we could potentially be looking at a, a new dawn of politics in the uk where honesty integrity rule of law and um, standards are brought back and put to the front again. Yep. And I don't think that's necessarily just Labour. I think, you know, Lib- Liberal Democrats with their Davy are, are doing a, a sterling job in holding standards to a, to a, to a really high degree. Yeah. I think um, the SNP are doing wonderful work at this exact moment in time, despite some, you know, horrible um, press they've had. Yes, it's it's not been great. <laughs> I miss Ian Blackford, but but, the, yeah. but um, even then he was a you know he was a a, a notorious shit around Westminster. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was horrendous. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> uh, Hamza Youssef, I think, is a is a really good leader, and I think he's he's taking the SNP into a new future. And I'm yes. I'm very keen to see where it goes. I I I like the fact that he's not so ultra nationalist. Um, like Nicola Sturgeon, I, I like the fact that he's you know trying to be a bit more diplomatic and statesmanlike. Yeah, there's dignity to the office. And love, love, love him or hate him, Keir Starmer. When you put him up against someone like Boris Johnson or Liz Truss or Quasi Quarteng or they, Rishi they Kunak, just, 
There just isn't a competition. Head and shoulders above all of them in terms of statesmen. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 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 in troubled times, brother. Rishi Sunak needs to get his head out of his arsehole, put his finger in the air, read the atmosphere in the room. And yeah, that's why it's so short, because he's got his head up his ass. But I don't think he's gonna do it until he hits that billion. Well, he needs to either just not enough, yeah. is it? Apparently not. Yeah. Apparently not. But he does need to go. <sighs> well, that was one. This wasn't that, a mini soda at all. That was the week that was, politic-wise. Yeah, and now it can fuck off. <laughs> Largely. <laughs> Final thoughts, Phil. Taking Final thoughts. Politics, is there anything you want to say to the people before we go? I, I had today what can only be described as the most magnificent poo. <laughs> Honestly, it was it was textbook and didn't require wiping. I did because I'm not I'm not a monster, but it was one of those where it before it had pinched off, it was already touching the water. My words, I know, right? I was impressed. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't so much as a splash. It was a splatoosh. Splatoosh. It was magnificent. Well, that's when it the... when it fell, I heard a ah. Yeah. Anyway, how was your week? What's your, what's been your highlight? Um, not much of a highlight. This week has been a, a, a turmoil from from beginning to end. However, I did have a half day today. That's quite nice. I've eaten pizza. Always good. Um, and I uh, have a three-day weekend now. So I'm looking forward to just kicking back, relaxing, chilling out, maxing, shooting some b-ball outside the school, you know, the usual fresh. Are, are you off on Monday as well? I am off on Monday. You're absolute shit. Yep. I booked it off today and I took a half day today as well. And I'm now oh. going to have three and a half days off work and I cannot wait to just kick back, relax and I am sorting my fucking life out. Get That's on with right, it, people. The new, the new yo-yo, the new Teddy Ruxpin, the new um, to infinity and beyond is being an adult and actually sorting out your fucking life. There is that. There's a lot so, to be said about that. There is a lot to be said about it. I didn't think I was ever going to get to this point, but I am organising my pension. Oh, really? Oh, well done. I, I mean, it really does come to something when the highlight of your week is that you've actually decided to be an adult at 44 years old and you're going to sort <laughs> out your pension. Get a pension, people. You'll you'll thank us later. If you don't have a if you don't have a work-based one, you should do. Get a private one. It's never too early to start. Do you want to quickly do a recommendation for anything you've watched this week? We've got three minutes to go. Ooh, a recommendation. I, it's old hat. But I've just rewatched it, The Fall of the House of Usher. Honestly, the pinnacle of TV for me this yes. Honestly. Mike Flanagan is God. Mike Flanagan can do no wrong. He can come round and I'll give him a cuddle. Very much recommended. Do you know what I yeah, recommend, Phil? What do you recommend, Angie? David Finch's The Killer. Ooh. Absolutely stunning piece of work. Two hours of 
absolute pure cinema. Where can that be found? Netflix. I I, I shall have a watch. It's bizarre. It is a film that I would have went and watched five or six times in the cinema, and instead I can watch it twenty or thirty times on Netflix. And 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 get cheap popcorn. Yeah, absolutely wonderful film. Genuinely brilliant little uh, thriller. It's not really a thriller though. Oh, well, I look forward to. I'll have a watch. It, it's all about a hired killer. Who, oh, it's, it's Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Who just doesn't care. He, he, he has he has a bit of a bad uh, job, and then it's basically him trying to fix it, but not really. And it's kind of about hired killers, but not really. And it's kind of a thriller, but not really. It's a really bizarre, wonderful little film. And I was watching it, and at the end of it, I just kind of went, oh, my God, that was brilliant. It was <laughs> one of those films that when you get to the end, you really do just want to go back to the beginning and watch it all over again, because it's, uh. it's just a, a pure pure piece of filmmaking there we go guys the killer with michael fassbender david david fincher back to his best then uh, oh yeah absolutely it's um very much a blend of uh seven and zodiac oh okay um and as bizarre as that sounds when you watch the film you'll understand it's got all the visual flair of both of those films um with little moments of the game and um it's just, it's just a wonderful film, and Michael Fassbender is is stunning in it. Absolutely stunning. He is just very good, isn't he? Very, very good. And people just, I honestly, I think people don't give him the credit he deserves. Well, he with all the X Men films and everything, he's seen as a bit of a popcorn actor, isn't he? And he's he's not. He's anything but. Yeah, I agree. Right. Oh, so there we go. If you've got a spare week, watch Fall of the House of Usher. And if you've got a spare evening, watch The Killer. And I think you'll have a wonderful time doing both. You will. Where Where are we, Andy? Where Where can we be found? Well, I'm in Leicester, but you can also find me online at, at Surrey and Lives. Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter. I don't care what you say, Musk, fuck you. Um, at iGeekTherefore. And we, we are the Paracetamol Headache. And you are lovely and we love you and we will see you in a week or two bye hi guys so on the last episode, we put a shout out on our social media asking for people to tell us how they would fix the world and everything around us. And uh, we had this wonderful message from our friend Sebastian Deary. Uh, so here it is. I think it's a perfect way to end the episode this week. And also just a spark of positivity and hope. Let's just fix the world. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so here's how I would fix the world. Um, assuming, based off Andy's post on Instagram, that I have ultimate authority, as in I'm a king of the world, rather than having a genie, uh, here's what I would declare and decree. Uh, every single country that claims tax off of its citizens has a responsibility and a legal duty to provide the five basic fundamental human rights, those being, in my opinion, food, water, shelter, healthcare, 
and education. Uh, if you're claiming tax off of citizens, you have an absolute responsibility to ensure those. Um, I might even go as far as to say it's the same for companies as well. If you have an employee, you have to ensure that they are provided with food, water, shelter, health care and education. I think once you provide those, the world will fix itself.